but you've got to learn what works in the moment, figure it out. And yes, you're going to probably lose money. Yes, you're going to waste a ton of time, but it's all worth it if you are putting action and you're doing the work and you're trying to go in a certain direction. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Jacob Wolf, owner of the furniture company Das Wolf. Jacob's work as a furniture maker and as a visual artist in general is always marked with a little something extra, be it an unexpected twist on a recognizable form or adding a modern technique into an old world build. His style is equal parts artesian and mad scientist, with work that centers around taking what we think of as ordinary and making it anything but. And this is exactly what he brings to his furniture company, pushing his work, his clients, and his employees to embrace going further because he knows that there is beauty on the other side. So follow along as we talk about furniture school, learning the business of business, what luxury really means, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Jacob's journey in his own words. Designing, creating, it's something that's always been, I guess, a first nature for me. I was one of seven kids, actually. And so uh, there was lots of times where you had to kind of figure out what you wanted to do during the day, especially during the summer months when school was out. So basically, my creativity was born out of boredom. <laughs> and uh, I learned how to create out of things that I had around the, the house. And one of the, the fun things about growing up at my parents' house was we had this really cool bamboo forest. And it was pretty much around this, this uh, creek that was down in a little valley. And I just fell in love with bamboo. And so I would go, I was a kid, I would go and hack some bamboo down and uh, which my dad was very happy about because it spreads pretty rapidly <laughs> and i would bring it back to my dad's basement uh where we had some like primitive primitive hand tools and uh that being said my, my father didn't have much uh building skill so he's like hey here's the tools have at it and so i would i dissected bamboo uh, every which way and i decided to just build anything and everything i could like wind chimes birdhouses, furniture, musical instruments, just anything I could like come up with. Then as I get older, I started adding different materials, wood, metal, some rock, and uh, just fell in love with the process. And it fascinated me to be able to create something from nothing. And one day, actually, I, I can vividly remember was when one of my older sisters was headed off for college. And I overheard her and my mother talking about you know, furniture and having to get this and that. And like a light bulb, it like clicked in my head. I was like, duh, I'm going to make her a piece of furniture out of the, out of bamboo and some wood. And so literally that moment in time, I just ran down the basement, had some materials already ready to go and whipped up this, this cool, like primitive coffee table, not really out of like an ego thing, but I remember stepping back and being like, holy cow, this is awesome. Like, I created this thing literally in like an hour's time just because I wanted to. And I had this vision in my head and I came up with this, this really cool piece. I found at a young age that the process is almost just as fun. And, and so I've kind of taken that along my, my whole journey. Ended up 
going to school uh, in college for music. Don't know why, but <laughs> music was another love of my life. But after two years of doing it, I realized that one, I wasn't good enough to make any money at it. And then two, I couldn't see myself doing it day in, day out. My true passion was creating. And so I found out there was a furniture design program at the school. So I, I immediately switched. I, there was no hesitation. I started in the furniture department and quickly found out that much like at my creative life all up until that point, you kind of have to teach yourself. Learning and education, it's hard to find in a book, especially with like furniture design. It comes from the process. It comes from getting your hands dirty, talking to people who are doing what you want to do or have the skill that you want to have um, and, and really visually watching them do it or, or, or watching a video on it. You know, During college was kind of a pivotal moment for me to learning skill. Now, I did have a fantastic woodshop teacher. He didn't really teach a furniture design course of any kind, but he kind of overlooked the whole woodshop and uh, kind of became a mentor to me. The dude knew everything that there is to know about woodworking and just a fountain of knowledge. And it's something that every woodworker who's trying to get into something wishes they could have and, and should try to find to, to increase their skill. But thankfully, I had, um, I had him to uh, mentor me and I tried to soak up as much as I could. And finally, after getting out of school, I took a huge turn. Um, I still was, decided to keep creating, but I had a, um, a summer job with a church and I was home one day and my hometown priest was like, hey, do you need a summer job? And I was like, absolutely, I do. And he was like, okay, cool. We're going to do some painting. I want to paint the ceiling of the church. I was like, painting, that's easy. I could totally do that. And so it turned out to be just a simple paint job was actually more a stencil work. I was like, okay, I can stencil, I think. <laughs> so let's do it. So the stencil work turned into very complex gold leafing. And then it turned into coffer work with um, uh, wood trim. And then... That turned into, he's like, okay, let's, uh, let's cover the whole back wall with woodworking. I was like, he's like, I want you to design it. I kind of took everything that I learned from school, started doing my own research. I attempted to make this newer church blend with an older style. And this was kind of the, the first of many of these types of jobs that I would get. And my focus became ecclesiastical for a long time. So I started a business called Ars Chaley, and its sole focus was ecclesiastical work. Pretty much every project that I took on was a new challenge for me. Just a broad range of learning challenges after learning challenges. And, but but it, it developed in me patience and I guess a sense of a gratitude of being able to actually do the work. But then after doing it for eight years, <laughs> I, uh, I finally came to the conclusion that since it does take considerable amount of time, it's, it's really hard to keep a good profit margin in, in doing such highly skilled work that takes so, so long. Mm -hmm. And so I, I switched focuses again and, and decided to go back to furniture. And I, I tried to reflect a lot of old world style, old world techniques sometimes too, and blend them with, with, with new 
um, technologies, new styles. And I know that does reflect in a lot of my work. I love that the first material you used to build was bamboo because it's the hardest and easiest material to work with in the woodworking world at the exact same time because you can shape it into so many things and use it for so many different things but it's also really hard to work with and really hard to manipulate and I mean that kind of sums up your entire building style where you're out of the box but in the box at the exact same time just like bamboo is wood but it's the most different wood that you could possibly work with. I, I think that that was the perfect stepping stone that you took into your career for building. When you went to school and switched from music to furniture, you also minored in business at the same time. And I have this conversation with a lot of people, whether they need to go to furniture school or not to have a furniture company. And that's an entirely different conversation because People can pick the road that works best for them. But when there are people who do go to school for furniture, I always tell them you want that business side too, because you can learn on the job furniture and design. You can learn design and you also have it in you. But the business side, you can't really learn on your own the same way. So why did you decide to do that double major of furniture and business? And how have you seen that help you in both the businesses that you've had? So I'll be honest, actually. So I went to App State in their their furniture design program, and they actually had the insightfulness to require a minor in business. I didn't know it at the time, but I would find out later on that it was monumental to the other side of the, the business that is literally just as important as building and designing the piece. And it's, it's funny too, because everything that I learned in, in the business side and in business school, I didn't use it for such a long time because I was so engrossed in creating this these beautiful works of art um, that were ecclesiastical in nature. And it wasn't really until I kind of got back into furniture design and decided to do that full time was I like kind of rethinking like, okay, I have to really remember everything that I learned in business school because it, it applies so much, whether it's basic fundamentals of bookkeeping or keeping track of a cost of a certain kind of project. So you can relate that to another cost for another project. It was just as important for the marketing side of things too, whether I'm marketing for a piece of furniture that I've designed myself or I'm marketing to, to local designers within my area. And so, I mean, it, it was incredibly important to, to do. And, and I, looking back, I'm so grateful that they did require it because they had the insightfulness to, to realize that's an important thing to learn, especially as a furniture designer, a furniture builder, and an owner of a furniture business. You really lean into the idea of luxury craftsmanship and that's really how you position yourself in the industry. And there are catchwords, there are adjectives that people use to describe their company and luxury craftsmanship and luxury in general is one of them. But I can't help but look at your furniture and think that it's not just a catchphrase for you. It's really something that you're hanging your hat on with your business. How are you positioning yourself in the way you build and also in the way you pitch to clients and also in the way that you showcase your work to show that you actually are 
the luxury that everybody else is just saying they are? That's a good question, actually. Um, I, I think, and I know, I know I, I've used the word luxury, and it does actually depict really well what, what we do and what we strive to do, because it, it is a luxury product that we provide. But I think at the end of the day, I, I think a, a word probably summarizes it better. And, and something, again, I take back from my church work is I want our furniture to bring a sense of beauty. And I think beauty is a, a better word to describe what we're trying to do because I every piece that that I that I want to do that I create for me it has to bring a sense of beauty because I think everyone is they need beauty and our, our souls kind of depend on it and we use it every day um, to make decisions and I think furniture is special because much like the Pietà or the David's sculpture. Uh, we're attracted to that because because of its pure beauty and the fact that it you know you fathom in its construction and how they are able to do it with hand tools and so when I look at a piece of furniture furniture could be the same way especially when you bring it to a higher level of craftsmanship of beauty being at- like attentive to details and and materials. And being attentive to your customer, we really try to like listen to what the designer wants and the vision for their client or or a homeowner. It's very important to to get that right, because otherwise you're just building another piece of furniture. But if you can get it right, you're building a, a piece that will last. You're building a piece that will connect with that homeowner. It'll have its own story. It will bring sentimental value over time. And I mean, remember sitting in a chair with your grandfather or, you know, um, with your brother or something like that, or even just a, uh, an old time swing outside on the porch. I mean, furniture has such sentimental value. It can bring beauty to people's lives. I try to do that with every piece of furniture. And I try to look through that lens of how can we create beauty in this person's home? Because if you're going to go to a higher level of crafting, I think it's important to have that that goal in mind. The artistic side and the craftsmanship and the building is incredibly important for you with every piece that you build, but you also do have that business side and you think about that from what you were taught in school and also what you've learned in your years in this business. So how are you taking that that luxury or that beauty that you want to put into every piece and translating it to talking with clients and being able to get jobs and not pricing yourself out of jobs. Because in your other business, I have to imagine you were a pretty big fish in a small pond. I don't think that there was a lot of people who were specializing in what you were doing. But now that you have a furniture company, there's a lot of fish in that pond and you need to be able to differentiate, yes, the skills and the quality that you bring, but also fit in people's price points for their projects. So how are you figuring that out with your business? So at the beginning, when I switched over to furniture, I knew it was important to be able to showcase what I could do to designers to potentially get the jobs that I wanted to have. So I I ended up coming up with a vision that I wanted to obtain with with what kind of furniture I wanted to do, what kind of customer I wanted to reach. 
and how I wanted to do all of it. And, and so at the beginning, I would have to take on these projects for kind of peanuts, basically. But how I would do it is I would take, the, take on the project. I'm like, yes, I can do it. And then I would also create a relationship to where I almost knew, hey, this designer actually has a couple other things that they're looking at. And especially if it was more complicated, more challenging, I would be like, yep, I can do that. Like, let's try to, let's try to do this. And I, I, I did it at an affordable rate. And I was able to get into the door of being able to build this thing, build this really cool piece that kind of makes me stand out a little bit. And so from each piece and with each designer I took on, I kind of, I kept kind of using the process of like, one, I create a relationship with them because I, I do care about like creating awesome things for them. And then two, showcase what I can do. And three, basically know what their overall project is about. See if there's any other projects that they need customization with and start pushing towards taking on more and more furniture that's in my vision, the type of furniture that I want to make. A little bit more complicated, more luxury, more high end, just because that's my nature. I love building that kind of stuff. And so that's what I wanted to do. So with each project, which with each customer that I took on, I wanted to showcase more and more of what we could do. You know, I, I learned, let's, for instance, I learned like veneering in, in school. I barely used it until this point, but I knew I wanted to use it because it's a, it's a valuable skill um, and it's a great offering for, for designers, especially in the lieu of solid wood, which is awesome too. So I would take on this really cool curved piece, let's say, um, and I would say, yes, I can do that. Let's, let's figure it out. And yes, we can you know, face it in riff white oak. And I would pull it off every time, even though half the time I didn't know if I could, but I'd still took it on because I wanted to push in that direction. I wanted to take on more of those kinds of projects. And slowly but surely, as I was able to showcase more and more of that kind of work, I created a network of, of more high-end designers because that's what I wanted to stick with. I was able to take on the work that I wanted to, and we're able to charge what we need to. You switched from your other company to this new company, this furniture making company, because you felt like you weren't making enough money and the timelines were too long in the old company. How, when you switched this new company, did you change the way you do business to make sure you can keep the timeline shorter and make more money doing the projects? It was actually quite a bit of a mind shift uh, for me. I, I absolutely love the church work and, and it gives me um, such gratitude to be able to do it. It gives me purpose because it meant so much to me. It was really hard to charge too much for it. And, I, and that can be definitely a, a, a tough problem to get over. But when I switched over to furniture, back to furniture design, it, it didn't affect me as much because a lot of the projects were going in and going out. Even though I still have a great connection with these pieces of furniture and, and we do our best to make them uh, amazing. But it, you know, it, it was only in the shop for, you know, eight, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. And, you know, other than the church work, it could be years. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't attached to it as much. And so it was easy for me to be like, no, this is just, it's just what it costs. And um, this is the time it takes. And, that, and that's just what has to happen. But it, it took a long time for me to be like that. And, and I married a, an accounting major. 
And so she, she has, she has helped me tremendously change my mindset in that, in that spectrum of the, the business. Um, and so I would, I would suggest to other people that you find, if you have trouble with that, to find someone who can help you or be your voice, whether that's hiring a person to work with the customers or uh, get a mentor. But I think being able to say no, being able to stand firm in your price. And granted, this is when you've gotten established and you're and you're trying to make it into a business. You have to get serious about like what what your costs are and stick to that because um, uh, if you don't, uh, you're not going to make any money. <laughs> You've already talked about how you were building your client base with designers and and the word of mouth and and that. So we know a little bit about how you you built that part of your business up, but something that probably was never taught to you in school with the building and the business side was this thing called social media that we all now deal with every single day and you had a lot of success on social media very quickly. And I have to think that's influenced a little bit of the way that you run your business, whether you're actually getting clients from it or just using it as a portfolio. Can you talk a little bit about how your success on social media has been influencing the way you run your business? Yeah. So it's kind of a funny story how it all happened. I, did not take advantage of social media for a long time. And I think it was um, a ignorant willfulness of, of just saying, Hey, I, I just don't want to deal with it. I'm, I'm almost like I'm better than it, but not really. And I, I just, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't have time, you know, I, no one, no one's going to care about like what I'm doing. And when I, I, I made my, a, a really personal mindset shift of, you know, I'm not going to care about the outside. I want to tell people more about what we're doing because I think they should know. And I'm going to put it out there and not care about what people think. And I think that's a, an important step to any business owner because if you care about what people think or, t- you know, um, about what they say to you personally, like you're not going to make it. And so I really tried hard to just not think about it. I'm like, I'm going to stay more consistent on Instagram, on social media, and I'm going to tell my story. That's something I've been reluctant to do. And so I finally just started being consistent about it. And to my surprise, people really liked it. So I, I think it's important to, to think about how you use social media and really use it. <laughs> don't, don't like, you know, take advantage of what we got going on. I mean, and, and don't even get started on the AI part of this future. It's so incredibly easy to put up a story, to put up a, a reel and to, to do it all in advance. Um, so it doesn't hurt your, your bottom line and the time you are in the shop. I have recently found out that it's very, very useful to getting exposure, which is fantastic for anything that you do, um, especially in the furniture business. And it tells, it tells your story. It tells you what you are, what you're about, your values as a business owner, as a furniture maker, your design aesthetic. It's, it's a huge marketing tool that people can use that is completely free. And I will tell you that I didn't, I did not believe in it. I just chose not to do it, and which was just an idiot move. But I, I finally realized this, and I was like, "Okay, 
let's do this. Let's show people who we are and um, let's just see what happens. You've been in this design, woodworking, furniture world for, it seems, your entire life. And you've learned at school, you've had mentors, you've had teachers, and you've learned on your own just being involved in the company. And you're teaching people who work for you now or people who you talk to about business. And that knowledge that you've had from all different places comes together and is what gives you the opportunity to build your furniture company and to continue to build it to even greater success than you have right now. So taking a look back at everything you've learned so far, what advice would you have for people who are starting their own business or people who have been doing it for a while, but feel like they want more out of their business? It's cliche, but just just do something. Just decide to do something and do it. I think a lot of a lot of issues uh, in business is researching, over researching, thinking about it, making plans, making lists, and never doing any of it. A lot of my success, actually, any all of my successes in my life have been where I'm like, you know, just screw it, let's do it, like just get into it, or like let's just learn. Who cares what happens? And I think that that mindset is advantageous to spearheading you into the direction you want to go, especially if you're just starting out and you want to do your own thing and in woodworking or in furniture, pretty much any business. If you, yes, you can kind of, you know, learn what you need to learn, but you just got to do it. Um, and through the action, you'll be able to learn as you go. And I mean, also pretty much everything that I, I've ever learned and, and leveled up with has come through major mistakes you know, costs and labor rates and estimations, like those are tough, but you got to learn what works in the moment and figure it out. And yes, you're going to probably lose money. Yes, you're going to waste a ton of time, but it's all worth it if you are putting action and you're doing the work and you're trying to go in a certain direction. But you first have to establish what you want to do. And uh, that that's a lifelong journey to, to learn. And I'm, I'm still learning it. But I'm excited about the future because I, I know where I'm going and uh, I'm willing to put in the work to do it now. Well, I'm excited to see where you're going and I'm sure everybody listening along is excited to see that journey too. So I want to thank you for your time and for sharing your story and your knowledge with everybody. And I truly appreciate it and wish you nothing but success moving forward in your business. Ethan, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at The Build With Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.